Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. As we start John chapter 7 in the Grounded Podcast, before we get into that, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who is listening to the podcast, and and just God bless you for doing so, and I pray that you would share it with your friends and your family, that that you all can be uh, encouraged, that that you can be motivated, and that these scriptures, uh, just breaking down John chapter 7, that God will use that to draw you closer to Him, that you would get to know Jesus in a more intimate way way and again just god bless you for for listening and sharing um as we get into john chapter 7 i, I titled this podcast jesus goes incognito and you'll see why here in a few minutes uh, but we left with uh john chapter 6 with jesus jesus feeding the five thousand, which is more like ten thousand because if you include the women and children there was more like ten thousand people because the number five thousand it's given uh, the, John says in John six that it's the number of men only, so they only count the men. Now, if you if you had one woman and one child for at least half the number of men, then that would give you around ten thousand people. So that, there was a ton of people there that Jesus fed with just two fish and five loaves of bread, and and Jesus tells these people, you know, you love this food so much, you're you're chasing me around, and they're they're trying to make him an earthly king, and and so Jesus just puts them in their place. He says, look, you got to eat my flesh and, and drink my blood. And when, when if, if you want to have something to do with me, and, and it just blew their mind. They 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 didn't understand because you know this was going on in real time, and they did not really know what Jesus was talking about. But we do because we can look back and we can see that Jesus was talking about when he was about to go to the cross, and he had uh, had the the what we call the Lord's Supper, the last Passover meal with his disciples. And he passed out the bread, and he told him to partake of the bread because it represented his body. And then he passed out the the, the, the wine or the juice, and he said, uh, "Drink this. It's the, the the blood of the new covenant. It's my blood." And he told us to do this as a remembrance of him. And so, you know, churches do it on a weekly basis. Some do, and some do it maybe once a quarter. Um, but my point is, uh, they did not understand what Jesus was talking about. And so they thought that he was just a, a nutso and, and some crazy freak. And so they, they turn and they walk away from Jesus. They didn't want to have anything else to do with him. And Jesus turns to the twelve and says, you're going to walk away too? And that's when Peter stands up and says, hey, where are we going to go? We believe you. You are you have the worst eternal life. We're not going anywhere. And so we get into John chapter 7 now. And John starts off the chapter with this. He says, after this... And those are just two words, but they cover so much stuff. But it's how John surges into the next chapter. Uh, by, and one thing I want to point out is that chapter breaks and verses, they're, they're not in the original text. When the Bible was originally written, when they were pinning this down on papyrus uh, in, in the Greek, if you've ever looked at one of the copies of the Greek text, it, it, it's, it's, there's no periods. It's just like one continuous run-on sentence. And man uh, did this not really too long ago, 
Um, I, I was told, I believe, in college that some guy on horseback did it. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it is convenient for us that we can turn to a chapter and we can turn, turn to a verse, but sometimes those chapter breaks come in places that they really shouldn't be at. Um, but John makes an interesting point at the very start because he says that Jesus wanted to stay out of Judea because the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. You know, this, this is just common sense. If you think that somebody's planning on killing you, are you going to go looking for that person? Absolutely not. You're going to stay as far away as you possibly can from that person. You're going to avoid that person. Now, I've mentioned many times in previous podcasts that the religious leaders, they didn't like Jesus. They hated him, and they wanted him dead. They wanted him gone. But what if I, even, what if I told you that even Jesus' own family didn't believe in him? That's right. You see, Jesus had brothers or half-brothers, because Joseph and Mary would have other children. But remember, Joseph is not Jesus' father. God the Father is Jesus' dad, not Joseph. So Jesus had half-brothers, and he had half-sisters. And his brothers are going to show uh, in this passage their disbelief in Jesus. Listen to verses 2 through 5. John writes, but, it was soon, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. There's three things that stand out from what they said that I want to point out to you. Number one, they said, go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. In other words, we're not following you. We don't believe in you. Why don't you go to Judea where your followers can see you. Yeah, we've been uh, raised with you. You're our half-brother, but we don't believe anything that you're saying or anything that you're doing. Number two, they said, if you can do such wonderful things. Now, there's one little word in there that is so powerful, and that's the word if. We know that Jesus can do such wonderful things. We know that he can work miracles, that he is the miracle worker. We know what he's done in our own personal lives. But at this point in time, they're looking at Jesus, and they're not believing in Jesus, and they're saying, we don't follow you, even though you're our half-brother. And they said, if you can do such wonderful things. It's not if. He just fed over 5,000 people, really around 10,000 people. He's done other kind of miracles. So it's no if to it. But his brothers are choosing not to believe in him. And so they say, if you can do such wonderful things. Now, I don't have a clue how they could have grown up with Jesus in the same house and never know who he is or hear or see the miracles and say, if you can do such wonderful things. But you know what? People still do it today. People still do it today. They, they can read the word of God. They can hear how God has changed the lives of so many people and the wonderful things that he has done in their lives and the miracles that he's worked. And they still don't believe. So maybe I can see uh, where Jesus' brothers are coming from because there were, as we've been looking uh, in, in, in the book of John, that all these people who see Jesus, uh, they're face to face with Jesus, looking at him eyeball to eyeball, they don't believe. So I, maybe I can see where his brothers are coming from if you can do such wonderful things. And the third thing I want to point out to you is this they said, You can't become famous if you hide like this. Well, first of all, 
Jesus is not hiding. He has nothing to hide hide uh, for because to hide means that you would have fear. And Jesus did not have fear. He never feared anyone or anything. And another thing I want to point about that, when they say you can't become famous if you hide like this, Jesus never had a goal to become famous. Never. That was not his intention. His intention was to die for our sins. You can't become famous if you hide like this. He, he did not have any, any intentions of being famous, and nor did he hide. And we'll see that in just a minute. You know, it's, it's bad enough when the people who have been studying scriptures their whole life and who are spiritually, and I'm, I'm doing quotation marks, you can't see me, but they are uh, spiritually uh, smart. Uh, they're spiritually educated. They have studied the Bible, their Old Testament scriptures, the law, their whole life, and they're educated, and, and they're expecting you to show up, and then when you do show up, they reject you. But it's you know it's a whole nother level when your own family doesn't believe in you. Family is supposed to be there to believe in you first of all, but they're supposed to be there to support you and to and encourage you, not to challenge you to go out and go before the people who are planning your death and show off so you can become famous. Now, I have a brother. And I have a sister. They're both older than me. I'm the baby of the family. And they have always been supportive of me in anything that I've ever done. I, I, I couldn't imagine how it would be if they were, were to tell me that I'm a joke and, and, and just to give up because that's exactly what Jesus' brothers are saying to him. They thought he was a huge joke. And that if he was real, he would go and prove himself. He would go prove that he is real. He would go work these miracles in Judea, not in Galilee, where it's safe. No, go to Judea where those people are trying to kill you. They want you dead. Go, go make yourself famous. But see, what they didn't understand is God's will was going to be done, and it would, would be done on his timing and not theirs. They're not going to force it to happen. And Jesus knew what he was doing. And soon the brothers are going to find out that their older, uh, their half-brother is indeed who he says he is. The Messiah, God's Son, the Son of Man. And he can work miracles. There is no if. There is no if. Before leaving this thought, I want to share one more thing. Jesus never got ill with his brothers. He never lashed out at them with a, I'll show you, or you'll see. No, he simply told them that his time hasn't come yet and that he wasn't going to the festival. But here's what's cool. Jesus did go to that festival. He waited for his brothers to leave, and he went secretly. Now, maybe he didn't go to the festivities, but he did go to Judea. He did go to Jerusalem because in just a few minutes we're going to find him teaching in the temple. He waited for his brothers to leave and he went secretly, John says. Why did he go secretly? This is my opinion right here. But I think that he knew that his brothers would rat him out and make a spectacle of him if he went 
with them and then he would know he knew that the religious leaders would be looking for him at the festival so basically jesus went incognito but that would change about midway through the festival because i said jesus uh, went to the temple and he starts teaching you see what i'm saying there is no fear in this man in the face of death he stood in the most dangerous place to be and he taught god's word in the face of his enemies in the face of the people who wanted to kill him there was no fear he did god's will he preached the word let's take a break shoulders begaged tweet backwards on huh? all the way around so I, mean, I could walk both ways so Jesus told his brothers, he said, I'm not going up to Judea to that festival. Y'all go ahead. He said, those people are trying to kill me because they hate me. You know, I'm the one that's condemning them of their sin, and, and I'm bringing light into their darkness, and they don't like it. And he said, y'all go ahead. But after they leave, Jesus decides to go on up to Judea. And I don't know if he went to the festivities or not. I'm guessing that he didn't, and, but he was in the area. And then he decides about midway through the, uh, the festival to go up to the temple and to teach. And so in the face of death, in the face of the people who wanted to kill him, the man shows no fear. He teaches and preaches to the people God's word. And the people that heard him uh, speaking were amazed because Jesus, he hasn't been to Bible college he, he's not a learned speaker. He's not educated like the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he was such a good speaker. And so Jesus answers them as if one of the religious leaders or some of the religious leaders were standing among the crowd. And he, here's what he says to the people because they, they marveled at his, at his speaking. And he says, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory for themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. And the crowd starts to rebuke him. And they're, they're saying, who's trying to kill you? You're demon possessed. Now, isn't that amazing? Here is God in the flesh being accused of having a demon and being demon-possessed. Much like today, back then, with Jesus standing right before the very eyes and preaching God's word, the people didn't get it. It sounds like a broken record in John's book here. It just keeps going and going and going. But the people didn't get it. Even though God was there in the flesh, standing right before their very eyes, they can reach out and touch him. They can shake his hand. They can pat him on the back and say, good message, preacher, and keep going. They didn't get it. They didn't believe. And so Jesus just keeps talking as if he's, he's talking to some religious leaders, and he says, I did one miracle on the Sabbath. That's when, remember, he healed the guy and told him to pick up his mat and go home. And so he says, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses, John says. 
Jesus says, for if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, because they had to, they had to circumcise their child, I believe it was the eighth day, and um, because there's a certain vitamin, I believe it's vitamin K, that's the strongest in a, in a, a male child's body, and that was uh, for blood clots. So they would circumcise the child on, I believe it was the eighth day, and that vitamin would cause the blood to clot. And so Jesus says if the correct time for circumcising falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and you circumcise the child as not to break the law of Moses. So why would you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Listen to what he says in verse 24, and this is important. He says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Did you, let, me, let me repeat verse 24. Jesus says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. The religious leaders judged by what they saw on the outside, not the inside. They were righteous while everybody else were sinners. And one of the reasons they had a problem with Jesus is because he didn't judge people. He actually loved people. He accepted them and he still accepts them just as they were or as they are. He ate in the homes of sinners. He hung out with demon-possessed people. He walked on Samaritan soil. He hung out with the outcast. He touched lepers. These religious leaders would never, ever dare do such a thing. Let me give you an example. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. And Here's the story. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Jesus says, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, can't you just hear the self-righteous, judgmental attitude from the Pharisee? I'm glad I'm not like this guy over here. Just look at him. And look at me. I look the part. I dress so much nicer. I do all these great things for you, God. And this guy, he can't even look up. What a sinner. And I'm so righteous. Let me give you another one. Luke chapter 8, verses 36 through 48. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus goes to his house and he sits down to eat. And John says, or Luke says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, talking about Jesus, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume, and she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, the Pharisee said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And verse 40 says, Then Jesus answered his thought. The guy never said anything out loud. He was just thinking this stuff. If he knew what kind of woman this was touching him, 
He wouldn't let this happen. She's a sinner. And so Jesus answers the guy's thoughts. And Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, Well, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, Jesus said, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. Let me ask you something. Who do you choose to hang out with and why? Why do you choose to shun others? Are you afraid of what others may think? Better yet, what they may say? Are you afraid that you'll lose their friendship because you chose to be friends with the lowly? Does the color of someone's skin affect whether or not you're going to hang around them? Does their nationality? Does their brand of clothes that they wear? What about their look? Their smell? Jesus didn't care. And neither should we. Because that person has a soul that needs saving. And you, or we, have the answer for their lost condition. And that's Jesus. You know, the Bible does talk about us entertaining angels unaware. And I believe that. And I, I believe, you know, we don't know who we're talking to or talking with, or we don't know who we're shunning. You know, that person that you shunned in the grocery store line this morning, uh, or that person that, that you shunned when they spoke to you in the store, and you you know didn't even bother saying hello or good morning or whatever, you just kept on walking or whatever, and it happens, it happens to me a lot, all the time. I mean, I've got tattoos, and people, I mean, people will go way out of their way to avoid me. I guess they just think I'm dangerous because I have tattoos. So I know what I'm talking about. I know what it's like to be shunned. And I've spoken to many people, and they just looked at me like, who are you to be talking to me? You're well beneath me. And I'm sorry, but that's not Jesus. And if we're going to claim to be a, a Christ follower, then we got to be like Jesus. And we got to accept anybody and everybody. Because we may be the only Jesus those people ever see. We may be the only opportunity to that person ever has to hear about Jesus. And if we don't tell them about Jesus, they may miss their opportunity to, to, have a, to, to, to get saved and go to heaven. And if we wait for somebody else to do it, that may not ever happen. And if we shun them because of the way they look or the way they smell, the way they dress or whatever, that's sin. That's sin on our part. And we've got to overcome that. We've got to be Jesus. And Jesus didn't shun anybody. He preached to everybody. He gave everybody the opportunity. He loved everybody and still loves everybody unconditionally. But getting back to the text, these people, 
They can't get past the fact that they know Jesus and they know his family, so they get confused because they have an idea that the Messiah was going to be like this certain way, and, and Jesus doesn't fit what they think. And so they reject him. They, ha- they just have, a, they have trouble comprehending. And so he tells them that he is the one and that he is from the Father, and this sets off the religious leaders, and sure enough, they try to arrest him and they couldn't. And some of the crowd believed Jesus, uh, they believed in Jesus, and they started murmuring. Uh, and so the Pharisees, they called in the temple guards to arrest Jesus, but they, they couldn't arrest him either. And on the last day of the festival of shelters, Jesus stands up and he shouts to the crowd. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And John says when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Some believed that day and some didn't. But John turns the attention to the temple guards and, and he shows us why that they couldn't arrest Jesus. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, Why didn't you bring him in? We have, why did you not arrest him? In verse 46, they said, We have never heard anyone speak like this. And the religious leaders said, Have you been led astray too? Is, is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Then guess who spoke up amongst the Pharisees? Good old Nicodemus, the one who had been meeting with Jesus by night. So yes, there is one of you. You just don't know about it that believes in Jesus, and that's Nicodemus. And Nicodemus spoke up, and he says, Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures for yourself, for no prophet ever comes from Galilee. They were so mesmerized by Jesus' teachings, the temple guard was, that they could not arrest him. They knew that there was something special about this man that says he is the Messiah. And look who came to Jesus' defense. Nicodemus, the one who was secretly meeting with Jesus at night. So let's, let's summarize John chapter 7 as we close. It's clear to see that the religious leaders feel as though their power, their reputation is being threatened here. Here is a man who is willing to do everything that they wouldn't do. And he wasn't teaching under the authority of Moses. He was teaching under the authority of God. And they couldn't handle it. Jesus is a life changer. But in order for him to change our lives, we must listen to what he says and obey what he says. We have to have a relationship with him. And here's the awesome thing about Jesus. He doesn't care about what's on the outside. He cares about what's on the inside, our heart, your heart. He takes us just as we are. He cleanses us from our sin. And he makes his home inside of us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Remember what he said in in John 7, 37-39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the living water Jesus is talking about. Have you given him your heart today? Have you given him your heart at all? If not, why not? You got to believe. You got to be obedient. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. 
Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, all my life.